You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Good evening. Merry Christmas. We're so glad you've joined us. Isn't this so special just to worship the Lord and acknowledge his presence? This is really what Christmas is all about, so we're glad you've joined us. And uh, tonight, we're just going to open up the word for a few minutes, and uh, my heart is to unpack for you and unwrap for you the truth of Jesus Christ and all that his birth means uh, to your life. I don't know about you, but if your home is anything like ours, a highlight for us at Christmas is opening gifts. And so the kids that we have a hard time rolling out of bed in the morning for school seem to be up before the crack of dawn on Christmas morning, uh, prancing around the house, excited, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. And uh, one of the greatest joys for us as parents now is simply uh, watching the expressions on our kids' faces as they open up their gifts. Parents, are you with me? It's not fun to get stuff anymore. We have everything we need. It's fun watching our kids open up their gifts. And Zach, you know, Zach is a little bit reserved, but yet every Christmas he can't hold that smile back as he sees what he gets from his parents and the, and the family around us. Maya's a whole different ballgame. Every gift she gets, it's the greatest gift ever! <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, run around the house. That is the, the joy that we get to experience at Christmas. And you know what? As we, uh, unwrap, as we unwrap the significance of Jesus tonight, I am praying simply this, that, the, that we'd be captured by the same joy that our kids have at Christmas as we see the fullness of the reality of Jesus Christ and his birth, God's greatest gift in his son. And so before we get into the text in Matthew chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. I'm just going to pray quickly, and then we are just going to unpack this and dive in and see what God has for us. Simply, the title of this is simply this, my Savior is here. Let me pray. Father, what a glorious night it is to gather together and to worship and lift high the name of Jesus. God, we are forever indebted to you for sending your only son to this earth, not just to be born, but ultimately to die on behalf of all of humanity, on behalf of everyone who'd who'd put their faith in yourself, that we might have eternal life and might have reconciliation with our God. Father, prayer, our prayer tonight is very simple. God, would you open every mind, every eye to see, every ear to hear, every heart to understand the full meaning of Christmas. God, for those that have never really heard this before, oh, Father, would you be so gracious to implant faith in individual hearts. For those, that God, that have heard this many times and it's become cold and old and stale in their hearts, God, would you revive and renew within all of us a fresh view of Jesus Christ that we might leave here truly rejoicing and truly worshiping that we have been given God with us. Oh God, would you hear our prayers? Would your manifest presence be upon us this evening? And would not one word be lost? And would not one word cease to give you praise and glory for who you are and all that you've done? In Jesus' name, we pray these things together. Amen. Amen. Let me read this text for you quickly and then let's just dive into a few truths I wanna point out for you. Matthew chapter one, verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ. You ever wondered how it went down? Here's how the whole thing went down from the very first Christmas. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying this, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
And this all took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Plain and simple, this is what Christmas is all about. From the very beginning, this is, this is what Christmas has always been. It's about God's greatest gift to mankind. And here's the reality of Christmas. Atheists will deny this truth. Humanists will strive to minimize this truth. The media is going to try and distract you from this truth. But we can't escape the reality that the Old Testament tells us hundreds of years before Jesus came that he would be the Messiah. We can't escape the truth that the New Testament reveals to us that this Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Many debates today about who this Jesus is. The text points out for us exactly who Jesus is. Just two points tonight. The first point is this. This Jesus that we talk about, that we celebrate, that we lift our hands to in worship, this Jesus is in fact God's Son. This Jesus is in fact God's Son. I know if you're a little bit like me, you're looking at this, this whole text and you're like, man, if this is God's son, then couldn't he have come into the world in a greater way? Is this really the grand entrance that God chose to bring his son into the world? It is, and I know it seems a little off to us, but don't miss out on the significance of Jesus because the, the, his entrance didn't seem like it should be a, the, the, the hero entrance that we'd expect. The verses tell us here in verse 18 exactly where Jesus came from. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from where? From the Holy Spirit. The verses here really point out for us the whole identity of Jesus Christ. First thing we want to know about the identity of Jesus Christ is simply this. He is from God. This is a divine birth. This is a God-initiated deal. This isn't like a secret Santa thing where, where a gift is left at your door, the doorbell's rung, and where did it come from? This is clearly God wants you to know that this gift that we celebrate at Christmas is from God. If you look at the manger, you can almost picture a, a, a sticker stuck on the side to put your name in there from God. This is a divine gift from heaven. Seems simple. Seems like, of course, it's from heaven, but don't, don't miss this simple reality. When I was growing up, just as important as the name of the, uh, behind the two was the name behind the from. Is it not true? When I was a kid, I'd look under the tree and I'd see a gift from my sister. I knew it was given in love, but it wasn't going to be the gift. I'd see the gift given from my grandpa and grandma, and it was going to be the, the sweater that maybe we'd wear for a day and put it aside. But it, given out of love, but it wasn't going to be the gift. You know what gift I'd look for under the tree? What gift do you look for? The one that says, from Dad. And mom, because that's the gift that you know was going to be the gift to define Christmas. That's the gift that you knew was going to get you were going to get exactly what you asked for. This Christmas, I encourage you, don't leave this gift under the tree, this divine gift that God has given us, because in this gift is what you really long for and what you desire. This is the greatest gift ever given to you. This is given to you from God. It tells you a lot about the heart of the giver and the significance of the gift. Just the fact that it's from God tells you a lot about the heart of the giver and the significance of the gift. Here's what it tells you about the giver. God is a pursuing God. God is a giving God. God is a God that holds nothing back from those that he loves, including his most precious possession, his son. Do you realize this whole Christmas story is ultimately, this whole Christmas season is ultimately 
not about our benevolence to others. It's not even about what we can get from others and others' generosity to us. This whole Christmas story is about God's overwhelming sacrificial love to us through the most beautiful gift of his son. What Christmas is about is about God reaching into our broken world and messed up lives with the one true gift that can give us the fullness of love, hope, joy, and peace that our hearts truly long for. Don't miss it. This Jesus is from God. This Jesus is also this. He's also a special delivery. This Jesus is also a special delivery. We've read this before. We've heard this before. And just because this truth blows our minds, don't think it's not true. How did God give us his gift? Wasn't from UPS, wasn't from snail mail, wasn't even from email. God gave us his most precious gift through the supernatural, miraculous virgin birth. I know for some this is an awkward part of the Christmas story, but it's not an awkward part of the Christmas story. This is a special part of the fullness of what this story really is all about, the fact that God sent his son from a virgin birth. Look at verse 20. So take Mary as your wife, for that, is, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is the truth of Christmas is that God gave us his son through one who had never been with a man before. As this passage unfolds, Mary and Joseph, who are they? They're just two regular, ordinary people that by God's grace, he chose them to give us the greatest gift ever given. Joseph, we don't know much about him, a carpenter, tradesman, just a regular average guy. Loved the Lord, wanted to honor God. Mary, who was Mary? She was just a, a simple little righteous little godly little teenager whom God, by his grace, said, you know what? You're the one that I'm gonna give the world my greatest gift to. You're the one who I'm gonna implant Jesus Christ into your womb that the world might have God with us. Think about this. Every other birth in the whole world involves a man, but yet this one is the only one that ever has been and ever will be that has, came, has come to us. It's the only child that's ever come to us without a male part in this whole thing. Even if you look at, at Matthew chapter one, the whole genealogy is from chapters one, 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 verse one to 117. It's always this, it's always, and, and this man begat a son who begat a son who begat a son. And, and then the, the genealogies stop here and, and it's, where did Jesus come from? He came from God himself. It's not a miracle of modern medicine. This is the miraculous hand of God. Far-fetched? Really, you believe this stuff? Humanly, ridiculous. But if you know God, the God of the Bible, this is, this is like tying shoes to God for him to give us his own son through a virgin birth. Think about this. If God cannot be contained by time or captured by space, if, if God cannot, it can create the universe and every living creature in it, including you and I, with just a spoken word, if God can control the whole cosmos without breaking a sweat, then surely he can give us a baby without a man involved. We kind of want to skip over this reality. So I'll believe all the story, but this, I don't want to believe this. We can't skip over this part of the story. This is important to us. This is significant. God sent his son in a way that can only be attributed to him and in, the, and, and in the only way that he could accomplish his mission. For Jesus to fully accomplish his mission here on earth, he had to be fully God and fully man at the same time. He had to be fully God to be able to pay the eternal penalty for our sins for which mortal man could never do. He had to be fully man so he could be our adequate representative in our substitutionary sacrifice. Think about it, think about it. This is the most unique gift ever given on the planet. 
Think how stressful it is for you to find the most unique gift. We spend our, spend October, November, December, what do we spend our time doing? Trying to find the most unique gift. Why? Because we want the person that opens the gift to be like, man, this is the greatest gift I've ever gotten. We want them to cherish this gift and tell others about this gift and, and 10 years from now still say, what's the best gift you ever got? It's this one from, you know, you know, it's the most unique gift we've ever gotten. It's Jesus Christ. It's God's son. This is the gift that we are to cherish, to hold on to, to not stop talking about until the day that we meet him, the day that we die. It's from God, special delivery. It's also eternally significant. Jesus is eternally significant. The greatest gift we've ever gotten is eternally significant, not just for the here and now, but forever. Look at verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is an eternally significant gift that God has given on that first Christmas. We see this in the name and the purpose of why Jesus came. You shall call his name Jesus. Don't miss this. We name our kids according to meaning, praying that one day our kids will live up to their names. We named our firstborn Zachary. means God remembers, praying that one day you know, he'd become, grow up to be a godly man, that God will remember our son. We named our daughter Maya behind this, God's creative power, saying, God, we'd love it if you showed your creative power through our daughter. Answer prayer, amen. We named our youngest Nicholas. It means victory of the people. God, would you please use, save our son and use him to draw many people to victory in Jesus Christ. We name our kids, we name our kids, praying that one day our kids will live up to their names, but yet with Jesus, the son of God was given a name that perfectly describes who he already is and what he's predetermined to accomplish. Here's what Jesus means. Jesus means this, Jehovah the Savior. Yahweh will save. Jesus, Jehovah, the Savior, Yahweh will save. If you look at this book, the Bible that God's given us, the kind of manual to help us understand fully how great this gift is and how this gift is supposed to function and operate in our lives, we see this clearly throughout all of Scripture, that Jesus is the only one who could be Savior of the world to save you from your sins. Your best friend can't do that. Your mom and dad can't do that. Your grandpa and grandma can't do that. Your pastor, your priest can't do that. Any religious person, religious guru on the planet can't do that. Muhammad can't do that. Buddha can't do that. Joseph Smith can't do that. Only Jesus can truly rescue us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and ultimately the presence of sin, according to William McDonald. This is why we gather together Christmas Eve and like, who cares about dinners? Who cares about gifts and family gatherings? Those things are important, but they can wait because the greatest thing we can do is worship this Jesus who came to save us from our sin. Galatians 4.4 4 says this, but when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Notice Joseph isn't mentioned because God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He didn't show up for his own benefit, like the long-lost brother that shows up for Christmas dinner to get his gift and only be shown up again next Christmas. He came for our benefit because he realized, God realized, if he didn't come for us, we'd be dead in our sins. We'd miss out on life here and now. We'd miss out on life eternal. 
This is why Jesus came. What is sin, you ask? Sin is simply this. Sin is defined as anything contrary to the character and the will and the commands of God as found in his word. So if any of us are sitting here going, well, I don't need saving for my sins. God came to save somebody. He didn't come to save me. You know, I look around and, and, and I'm pretty good compared to everybody else. I'm at least half, halfway up the pack. So, so why would, God doesn't need to save me for my sin. Actually, we don't judge ourselves by others. We judge ourselves by the perfect standard of God himself. And we look at the perfect standard of God and all his character and all of his commands, we realize that, man, we fall abundantly short of the perfection of God. And so we are all in the same boat. We're sinners who need a savior. Don't believe me, just read the list of 10 commandments, just the 10 things in Exodus chapter 20. And you read that list, you know what you'll find very quickly? Man, I break almost 10 out of 10 of those commands. And if not 10 out of 10, I'm like a seven or eight for sure, every one of us in this room, myself included. How many of us can say that we've walked through life and always had God first, the first commandment. We can't, we've broken it. How many of us can say that we've never allowed out of a moment of anger our lips to slip and God's name, a, God's name to be profaned out of our lips, breaking the third commandment to keep God's name holy? Every one of us has had those moments of rebellion against our parents and broken the fifth command to obey our parents. Sixth command, I've never done that. Do not murder and yet you read the New Testament and, and hating somebody is equal to murder. At least I've never committed adultery. Again, New Testament, lusting after someone is the same as committing adultery. How many of us have never stolen even the little things that you think no one will notice and no one will miss? Or even stolen time from our employers at work? How many of us have told a little white lie only to protect myself or somebody else, but yet it's still a lie? How many of us have been jealous of what others have, their houses, their cars, their families, their vacations? Think Jesus didn't need to come into this world? Oh, he needed to come into this world because every one of us is head deep in our sin without any way out apart from Jesus Christ coming to rescue us. John 3.17 says this, God loves us so much that he sent his son not to condemn you for the things that I've just listed, we already stand condemned before God because of them, but he came to save us and set us free from the penalty of sin. This is the truth of Christmas. You can't see the cradle of Christmas without also seeing the cross of Christmas. This is the, this is the greatest Christmas rescue ever. Reminds me of another story I read a few years ago about another Christmas rescue, just to help you get the full significance of this. And 2008, out in BC, the week before Christmas, two snowmobiles were out there. It was an avalanche or a big snowfall or something, I'm not sure which, but they stumbled across two horses that were stuck in snow up to their necks. First thought, let's put them out of their misery. Second thought, they looked in their eyes and realized there was a lot of life left. All those horses were getting skinny and starving and barely alive. There's a lot of life left in the eyes of the horses, so word went out and a rescue party came. And what they did is they dug a trench for the horses to be rescued from this mountain of snow that was barricading them in and ultimately going to kill them. And these rescuers took the horses home and nurtured them back to health and took them in as their very own. Sweet picture of what Jesus came to do. He came to rescue us who were buried head over up to our ears in sin, no way out, destined to die, lost forever. Jesus came and found us and dug a trench for us that we might get back to the household of God where we could be taken in by God and enjoy his presence forever. 
Don't miss the full reality of Christmas, this Christmas with all the other things you can get excited about. This is the greatest thing you could ever get excited about. That for all those who choose to repent of their sin, acknowledge that I am dead in my sin, I can't do anything without God. For all those who choose to acknowledge that, repent of our sin and say, oh God, help me, forgive me, God, dig me out of this mess. This is the ultimate gift we have in Jesus Christ. This is why we worship. This is why we put everything aside to get to a place where we can be with other believers and lift high the name of Jesus. Last one is this. Jesus also came to bring us relationally close to himself. I don't think this is a great gift. It's from God, special delivery, eternally significant, and also the gift that keeps giving and that, it's, and that Jesus is relationally close to us. Look what it says in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. If this gift's given name is Jesus, saving Messiah, his middle name is Christ, the anointed one, this title, Emmanuel, simply describes who he is. It's, it's not the name he's going to be called. This describes who he is. It's he is God with us. God with us. Like, stop and realize the significance of that for a minute. God with us. Growing up, I often heard how magnificent God was and how high above us God was. And well, that is true. You can't miss this truth. As, as awesome as God is, on a whole other plane as God is, God is also a king who rules the world, but not a king who wants to sit up on his throne and just govern the earth. He's a king who wants to know and be known by his people. He's a king who wants to walk among us and know the highs of our lives, the mountain highs and the valley lows. He's a king who wants to act on our behalf. God doesn't just call the shots from heaven. He steps down onto earth that we would know the very presence of our God. I read this, and this is really the big game changer of all of our lives. This is the big game changer of Christmas. The fact that Jesus came to be God with us. Think of the significance of that. This is true, brothers and sisters. This is true. God is with us in Jesus Christ. If this is true, my life is changed, amen? If this is true, accepting this gift, I will never be the same. Think of all the eternal significance of God being with us. If God is with us, I no longer have to live separated. If Jesus is with us, I no longer have to live separated from God. If Jesus is with us, I no longer have to carry my load of guilt and shame. Some of you are coming in here, the load of guilt and shame that you ought not to carry. God came to be with us, that you'd take your load of guilt and shame and put it on his shoulders, if Jesus is with us, I no longer have to fear my future. God is at my side. I no longer have to walk alone through this hard, lonely life. God is with me always. I no longer have to figure things out on my own. God's wisdom takes over. I no longer have to struggle my way through life. I have an eternal strength within me. I no longer have to live for the applause of others, which is such a burden and such a trap. I no longer have to be the strong one in my family or in, in my life. I have a stronger one who acts on my behalf. I no longer have to defend my every move. I no longer even have to prove myself. God with us. This is what Jesus comes and does for us. This is why Jesus is the eternal gift that I can't stop talking about and singing about. This is why Jesus Christ is the eternal game changer. He is the only Christmas gift I will ever desire or ever need. Every other gift money can buy. This one, priceless. Amen. 
think about this with me for a moment. If you could just even get one of those things that I just listed off in your stocking this Christmas, wouldn't you trade everything else for it? If only you could just get one of those things in your Christmas stocking, wouldn't you trade everything else for it? Jesus came to bring us close that we might have all that he not offers, all that he is. The Old Testament, God looking down. The New Testament, God walking among. This Jesus is God's son. Clearly from the scripture, this Jesus is God's son. And number two is this, this Jesus is also mine to embrace. If Jesus' birth radically alters my reality now and for all of eternity, he is mine to embrace. And this gift that God has offered all of us in Jesus Christ, he gives it to everyone. Doesn't matter if you're wealthy or struggling, doesn't matter if you're good looking or not so much, or if you're a brainiac or a simpleton, if you're uber talented or an average Joe, this gift, God incarnate, God in the flesh, came that we would love him, embrace him, and follow him every day of our lives into all of eternity. But here's a truth that we have to understand at Christmas, just like any gift that we are given, we can accept this gift or we can reject this gift. Just like Mary and Joseph had a choice, they could accept God's plan for those, they could accept this gift or they could reject it. Many people over the ages responded like Joseph. How did Joseph respond? Fear and doubt, right? In this text, it's fear and doubt. Uh, can't be true. If this is true, then I better, if, if this can't be true, I, I'm just gonna divorce Mary quietly and be on with my day, but, but, but God doesn't let us be on with our day. You know what God does? He shows up in the form of an angel, says, Joseph, this is all true. He confirms all the reality of this in Joseph's life so that Joseph goes from a doubter and a fear to an embracer and a humble worshiper of God. And God will do the same in our lives if we allow him. God is a God who pursues us. God is a God who doesn't want us to miss this truth of Jesus. God is a God who wants us to respond in love and faith and obedience because Christmas is truly only Christmas as God intended when we see his gift of Jesus, when we embrace his gift of Jesus and when we live in light of his gift of Jesus. And so like any gift, we have three options tonight of what we're gonna do with this gift. Just like you have three options tomorrow morning when you open up all your gifts, you can express your outright disdain for this gift. You can smile and give a token thank you for this gift or you can totally embrace Jesus Christ. I'm sure some of you are sitting here thinking this, what a ridiculous concept. I don't like this idea that I'm a sinner, a savior. I'm not gonna do anything with this gift. I'm gonna flat out reject it. It's never happened to me before, but know this, if you flat out reject the gift, you're rejecting the giver of the gift. React like this and you'll offend the God who made you, the God who loves you, the God who will do whatever it takes to bring you into his family. Not only will you offend him, though, you're taking a pass on the love and the hope and the joy and the peace that he promises in this life. You're hoping for that tomorrow morning. You won't find it tomorrow morning. You find it in Jesus Christ. You're choosing to miss out on the eternal blessings of this life and the next life, too. If you're in this place because someone brought you here, you just thought it was the right thing to do on Christmas Eve and you're fully in a place where you wanna express your outright disdain for this gift, may I implore you to give Jesus a second look. Not so quick. Miss this gift, you miss life. The second temptation for us is to, to smile and give a token nod, a token thank you to this gift, only to get home and 
like we do sometimes at Christmas when the gifts from our grandmas comes. Thank you, Grandma, I like it. Really, you don't like it at all. You put it on your shelf or you put it in the to give to somebody else next to your pile. So many people come into church Christmas Eve, year in and year out, and they give the token thank you, smile like everything's good, but they have no intention of ever doing anything with this gift of Jesus. I implore you to the same thing. Don't miss this gift. Just like you can't fool the giver's gift. I know when I give a gift that it's not like the number one gift that I've given. I can tell on my kids' faces when it's not exactly what they wanted. God can see, the, God can see that on your face as well. You're not, you're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling God. Let me implore you to this. Look again at Jesus. Consider all that Jesus is and all that he means. Ask God to help you see the beauty of his son. Ask him to help you and confirm this reality and give you eyes of faith that you may see his beauty and be changed by his presence. Oh, how I'd hate to see you walk out of here and be given the ultimate gift and simply leave it behind. Breaks the heart of God. Just a polite way of saying I don't want Jesus to smile and give a token thank you. But the last way we see here that God wants us to respond is simply this. Every heart in here, God wants you to respond to his gift to totally embrace Jesus. Like Joseph ultimately did, Joseph, Joseph listened to the confirmation of God. What's your confirmation from God? This is your confirmation from God right here. These are God's words speaking. They're not my words. I'm just a guy like you. These are the words of God calling out to you, saying, I've given you this gift. Please unwrap the gift. Behold the gift. Love the gift. Joseph moved forward in awe and wonder, cherishing this gift above all others, walking in faith and obedience and submission to God. This was the same reaction of all the players in the Christmas story. The, 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 the shepherds ran to Jesus. The wise men brought gifts. The angels sang the heavenly chorus. Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. This is the response of Christmas, the only response of Christmas that God has given us that is the right response to simply stop and behold the wonder of Jesus. I don't know how you're planning on doing that in the next 24 hours, 48 hours, but let me encourage you to not miss Christmas without beholding the wonder of the gift. This is no ordinary gift. It even seems weak to call Jesus a gift, but he is. Let me encourage you and implore you to unwrap this gift and let the Lord reveal to you the magnificence of who he is. And may you respond in the childlike wonder, not to all the gifts under the tree, but to this gift as our kids do to the gifts under the tree. For Jesus has come. My Savior is here to rescue us and give us eternal life. And we embrace him. Not only will our Christmas never be the same, but we will never, ever be the same in this life. Pray we see this and hear this with fresh eyes that God would instill in all of us a love for him that is second to none, a desire to see him more than anything else, a desire simply to worship Jesus this Christmas. Let me pray as the worship team comes and leads us in our last song. Father, thank you for showing us the reality of what Christmas really is. Oh God, in a short 30 minutes, I pray that you'd help our hearts to understand the full magnitude of what Jesus came to do for us on the cross, through the cradle and the cross. Father, I simply pray this, that every heart here 
would fall low before you tonight and truly worship like never before. Father, I pray that you'd give us the gift of faith. Father, I pray that you give us all that Jesus has in the, in the hope and the love and the peace and the joy that he came to offer. And God, I pray that over everything else this Christmas season, you'd find men and women who are committed to and devoted to simply following you and being obedient to you and worshiping you forever. God, all these things have been said, but we know that we can't make them a reality in our hearts. Only you can. And God, the hearts that are missing this tonight, you know who they are. They know who they are. Please, oh God, give saving grace tonight in this place that no one might miss the fullness of you this Christmas season. Amen.